Well, babe, we did it. We wrote a book. Yeah, man, it's it's actually surreal to even think about uh, that we wrote a book, had a baby, got married, not necessarily in that order. <laughs> <laughs> but the book is now available yeah. for pre-order, and we're so excited to share it with you. Oh, so looking forward to getting this book into your hands, to be in dialogue and conversation with all of you as we continue to liberate love from old imprints and codependent dynamics that keep us small, stuck, and stagnant. Yeah, you know, no matter your relationship status, this book walks you through what shaped you, why do you do what you do in relationship. It dives deep into your relationship blueprint, attachment styles, and most importantly, which is different than every other book that's ever covered codependency in the past, we explore the role of the nervous system in that. And the book is called Liberated Love. Yeah. Release your codependent patterns and create the love you desire. Go to createthelove.com slash liberated love to order your copy now. That's createthelove.com slash liberated love and get that pre-order in and you'll be able to get a free download of a meditation we created and a workbook that goes along with it. Much love and appreciation for your support. Much love. Thank you. You know, the parallel is it is exactly what manipulative, narcissistic, abusive partners do. They make you lose a connection to reality. I have had some of the people I love most in my life judge me, exile me, I don't blame them. It breaks my heart that it's occurred. But what I am standing for is discourse. Hi, my name is Mark Groves, and I'm obsessed with understanding human behavior and why we do what we do. In this podcast, I interview the world's most brilliant minds and hearts, where I get to explore, alongside you, every subject you can imagine relating to our human experience and how we relate. It is my deepest intention that we all learn how to create the life and love that we've always dreamt of. Now, before we get rolling, make sure you hit that subscribe button so you don't miss any episodes. And one ask that I have, and an amazing way that you can help support the podcast is by wherever you listen to it, giving it a five-star review and a written review. With all that said, let's dive in and transform our lives. Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Mark Groves Podcast. I wanted to do a solo episode to share some things that I've been processing and that have been coming up for me, both from like my sense of what's going on collectively, but also individually. I think it needs to be acknowledged just explicitly the immense trauma that we've all experienced in the last three years. You know, I have a lot of pain about it. I have a lot of grief about how it's impacted core relationships in my life, how my experience is that we were not able to hold the complexity of multiple perspectives. And there is a healing that needs to occur. There is responsibility that needs to be taken. There are people who need to be held accountable. And my struggle throughout this whole time, which you've heard me express uh, repeatedly, is that I recognize that there is an important duty of public health and government in order to influence behavior, to create behavior change that is for the greater good. I recognize the responsibility of that. I recognize the necessity to use psychological tactics in order to do that. These are called nudge tactics. And it is my opinion that these nudge tactics were used in a way that crossed ethical lines. 
This is through the amplification of fear, through the constant use of media to amplify the fear, 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 scare, scare, scare. You know, you look at the beginning of all of this and videos went viral of people just falling on their face in uh, China. And that, you know, clearly wasn't actually what happened when people got COVID. But this is what went viral and was used to amplify how terrified we would be as this uh, coronavirus made its way to wherever we lived. And that fear was propagated and used through mainstream media as well. And a number of media outlets signed up for what is called the Trusted News Initiative, which essentially said that they would say, we're going to combat misinformation, which you saw social media platforms, Meta, Twitter, Instagram, all sign up for these things. And I get that, right? Like, I'm like you, I don't want information that is intentionally or unintentionally untrue, right? Being propagated and spread and amplified, right? I totally agree with that. But what I found really alarming was that things that just were not convenient to the sale and adoption of vaccines were considered misinformation or labeled with fact checks, which of course, psychologically is going to be, or misleading claim or missing context. These are all the words they used to be able to slap a label on something and drive down their algorithmic reach. And I was reading a recent email batch that was, I believe it was with Meta and the US government. And it was talking about how they were turning down information that was truthful, that might lead to vaccine hesitancy. So I say all of this because since the beginning, I have been outspoken about the impact of things like lockdowns, things like mandates that were not based on science, that the cost of them would be more significant than what we thought their benefit would be. And you know, the reason I have so much grief is because the way that people were positioned who asked questions was that they were wrong. They were bad. They were selfish, that they weren't looking for the collective good, even in some contexts that they were murderers, <laughs> that they were pro this virus, you know? And then you saw people on what is perceivably the other side saying, anyone who doesn't get this product doesn't deserve to be part of a family anymore, invited to holidays. Um, they don't deserve health care. They don't deserve love. I saw the impact that this messaging was having that was all to get more people to take a product. Like, you know, you look at it in Canada, there was an election. And before the election, Trudeau said, never is Canada going to be a place that has vaccine passports. And as soon as the election came, because he must have had a survey of Canadian citizens, would they vote liberal? Are they pro this um, flight mandate that you can't fly unless you're vaccinated and you won't be allowed into restaurants, bars, all the things if you're not vaccinated. He must have seen that it was a good chance he would win a majority and he ran on a wedge issue. He has previously documented saying that wedge issues are no way. They can win elections, but there's no way to do it because the cost of them is division. The reason I have so much grief and, and anger is because in order to gain votes, in order to gain compliance, in order to coerce people into getting more of this product, they knew that there was 
a possible cost which was more division and families pitted against each other. I have felt the price of this myself, of having there not be space for curiosity because the idea that if you're curious or hesitant or questioning, then there is an unconscious belief that you're threatening the people who are adopting the belief, the narrative, that everyone should get this vaccine and it's okay to bring in mandates, even though you know people are not free to choose if your job is at stake. You're not free to choose if your freedom is at stake. Seeing that people made this choice to get something because if they didn't get it, they wouldn't be welcome. Now, granted, I think everyone should choose what works for them. I, I've always been very vocal about that. If this is something you wanted to get or want to get and you're down with, that's great. But having been a pharmaceutical rep for 14 years and been in that industry and studied the science of influence and then moved into the relational world, I could tell you that dissent or the criticism of a thing, especially in the space of a profit-driven product, is actually incredibly important. When it comes to people's rights, things like free speech are incredibly important. You know, the thing is, is that you might have been okay with taking away someone's rights today for whatever it is you believe in. But one day, when that precedent is set based on this, one day they might come for you and they might not like your thoughts. And that's why fighting for the right for free speech is so important. That's why body sovereignty, which we learned through previous really detrimental moments in human history, that we put in these rules, these laws that said we will not violate informed consent. And yet we found ourselves in a really heightened state of fear. And because we were in such a heightened state of fear, we were willing to accept any solution and we were willing to do it at the cost of people's individual desires and opinions. And I get this is the conflict of individualism versus collectivism. There is a line. And I think we all will agree on some level where that line should and shouldn't end. You know, I look back now and I think, if you got this product because you were sold the idea that it reduced transmission or it stopped transmission, you were actually lied to. And that's a strong statement, isn't it? But it's true. There was never a clinical trial done. It, it was never part of the main endpoints of the clinical trials. And we could say, well, it wasn't powered for that, which means it didn't have enough people. Sure. But you still legally, when I was a rep, you couldn't legally make a claim about a product unless it had the indication. These products never had the indication, which means the legal approval to be promoted in a specific area for a specific thing. And a pharma company would have been held incredibly liable for misleading like that, which leads to more product adoption. But the government and media became the propaganda and marketing arm of pharma. And I look down, I go, okay, well, how are they going to be held accountable? Because if people got this product under false pretenses, isn't that breach of law? Like I'm not a lawyer, but that would seem rational. And, you know, I'm not claiming to be a virologist or an epidemiologist. I'm someone who can read clinical trials and understands them and tries to look objectively at the data, which I tried to do from the beginning. But what I found such a red flag was I was attacked for being curious, for saying, hey, you know what? 
there isn't enough data for them to make these claims yet. I wasn't saying that they couldn't make them eventually, but it became a red flag to me that they were making claims that were not validated yet. And if you said, hey, there's also side effects for this, and I'm not sure the risk benefit makes sense, then you were villainized. And what happened was, is they turned people against one another. They made it that if questioning existed, then it threatened survival of the people who were not questioning it. And the reason the ethical lines were crossed, in my opinion, is because connection and belonging is the thing we most desperately want as humans. And that was the thing used against us. That was used against us. We were pitted against each other to make sure we were quiet so we didn't ask big questions. And this might be the most naive thing I'll ever say. But I actually thought that media, in Canada at least, I thought, you know, when you had opposing media who thought different things and they opposed each other and they supported different political parties, that at least you had, you know, a diversity of thought. But what I witnessed during COVID was that Canadian media, at least I can say, was only pro-narrative. They did not question a thing. They threw Canadians under the fucking bus. They did not question lockdowns. And if you question them, you're a conspiracy theorist. They did not question mandates. And if you question them, you're a conspiracy theorist. You know, in Canada, by the time the flight mandate challenge in court got to court was a year later. And right before the challenge got to court, the Canadian government, you know, shortly before, suspended, quote unquote, the flight mandates. So when it got to court, their argument was that it was a moot point. It was a moot case. It didn't, it wasn't relevant now, even though Canadians rights had been taken from them for a year or something like that, but a long fucking period of time before the constitutional validity was even challenged, at least in other parts of the world, the courts had people's backs, but in Canada, they didn't. It took so long to get it into court. When it finally got there, they said, not relevant. Of course, this is being appealed. But this is where I feel like I'm living in a crazy world. I feel like I'm living in an upside down world because I go, shit, the lab leak theory was there from the very beginning. And if you know the process of what happened with Fauci and emails with other people, it was quickly invalidated. And now there's more truths coming out about that. Any dissenting views to the main narrative were quickly throttled down or people were canceled off social media. These are world-renowned experts where normally the credibility we would give to someone is they went to Harvard, they went to Stanford, they went to Oxford, they went to these you know, prestigious universities, colleges. But all of a sudden, credibility was actually only inferred or conferred to somebody if it agreed. Isn't that wild? As soon as someone disagreed, we called them a grifter. And if someone was pro, they were promoted, elevated, and their voices were quoted on news stations and the algorithm favored them. This is the wild world we are living in. And I just need to share all this because I can't be the only one who feels this immense grief, no matter where you found yourself in the unfolding of the last three years, I'd imagine you felt the pain of feeling split from people you love. And 
My message is not that it's anyone's fault for individually really being afraid or really wanting to wear a mask or really wanting to get vaccinated. There's no judgment about choice. It's that the people who amplified the fear and exploited the psychological need for connection, they are to blame. The media, fuck, especially in Canada, amplified titles and subjects of news articles that were divisive, that were painfully divisive. And anytime a study came out that showed that maybe this product's efficacy should be questioned, or maybe it doesn't stop transmission, which we knew real early, all of those were turned down or articles and smear campaigns were created to remove the credibility of the person, the study, even if it's peer reviewed. See, this is where all of our spidey senses and our intuition and our red flag should go up. When false information that promotes the product is not flagged, then you know that there's a bias to the fact checking, the relevance, you know, all the words that they have, fact checking, misleading, all that stuff. You know that it's bias when it doesn't appear on false information that promotes the product. That flag should have been on so many posts, especially from the government. And so I needed to share this because my desire to heal through this is more important than anything. My desire to, for the people who feel like they've been gaslit, that they've been lied to, that they've been misled, that You know, they tell us one thing, then they tell us another. It's crazy making. And, you know, the parallel is it is exactly what manipulative, narcissistic, abusive partners do. They make you lose a connection to reality. And like I have had some of the people I love most in my life judge me, exile me. And I honestly, I don't blame them. It breaks my heart that it's occurred. But I don't blame them because they're trying to make it. They're trying to survive. They have their own experience. And I understand their experience. It doesn't mean I can't have pain. But what I am standing for is discourse. What I recognize is that inflammatory language from any side is not productive. It doesn't bring us closer together. It doesn't resolve anything. It doesn't build a bridge between you and I. You know, if we've lost a family member or a friend because of a deferring view, you know, you're welcome, obviously, to have the boundaries that are necessary if someone is incapable of dialoguing or discoursing. But I like just invite us to reach back out, to apologize, to take responsibility for what was our side, and to recognize that looking back, There were a lot of things that now have come out and validated as true that were true all along. And some of us were just not willing to see those things. And, you know, like, I think it's important to recognize that at the beginning of this, the data was hopeful for the product. And, you know, maybe due to the the mutation that occurred in around December to Delta, that's when the efficacy data really shifted. But the message we were sold was that 
this was a pandemic of the unvaccinated, that it was the unvaccinated causing variants. Well, the data could support fully the argument that it was mass vaccination in a high t- in a time of immense viral pressure that actually would create the perfect circumstances for a variant to escape the mechanism of immunity of the vaccine. And so I say that because wherever there was one side, there was another. Wherever there was one argument, there was another. Those were not arguments that lacked credibility. They just lacked a platform. Because when I was a rep, you would see academics and scientists, researchers, doctors, healthcare professionals, you would see them debate about things that they were not in agreement about. And that was important so that they could get to the right answer, to what was the right solution that took into account all the deferring views. And it is actually through diverse view that we are made more wise, that we find the right solutions. But when you cancel one side of the conversation, you give the illusion of consensus. And when only one voice is amplified to the masses, the masses think that is the voice. But it wasn't the only voice. And all a lot of the things that were spoken of early on that were considered conspiracies turned out to be true. I'm not saying all of them, obviously not true. But a lot of the things, like lab leak, like the vaccine passports were coming, that they were going to create this division. It is the responsibility of each of us as individuals to come back together, to not allow mainstream media and politicians to divide us. We need to ask for more from the people who use our tax dollars to create these circumstances. We need to demand more from them. We need to hold people like Justin Trudeau accountable for the willingness to divide Canadians in order to attempt to get a majority, which he didn't get. And then you see Singh complaining about everything Trudeau does while he props him up and supports it all. And like, I'm not a political person, but I can't help but speak about what is going on politically in Canada because it's where I'm from. And I I just don't have, I feel politically homeless. And I'm sure a lot of you do too, because I don't, I don't understand why we would support one side, which is about canceling any dissent and operating under the false pretense of altruism. It's just like toxic virtuosity. And another side that lacks any form of acceptance, like they're, they're the exact, you know, that idea in politics, horseshoe theory, that they just become the same. I'm ready for unification. I'm ready for, I just wanted to acknowledge the amount of pain and the amount of hurt that is present, and that we need to accept that there has been a large campaign, you know, as I think it's Brent Weinstein who says, an industrial strength propaganda campaign to split us and to make us believe that the only way was this product. And that was not the only way. Think about this objectively. Not once was it ever supported and mentioned by public health officials, that we should lose weight. We should make sure that we have the appropriate levels of nutrients, that we have the appropriate levels of things like vitamin C and vitamin D. A lot of this stuff was just considered crazy. And just think objectively, a government 
that is interested in your health would promote health first. Uh, There's just so much to unpack in this. And my goal or my desire or my intention maybe is that we do meet each other eye to eye, that we do step towards curiosity. I want to put the anger to rest. And and I'm doing that. Part of recording this is that I want to express myself to you and share how painful the last three years have been for me and, and for so many. And that is no matter the perspective or the side, quote unquote, of whatever, is that we have all been through a lot. And when we're afraid, we're not curious. And I really want to bring back curiosity and invite that back into our experience. So with all that said, gosh, I have so much love for you for joining me on this journey throughout. And I want you to know that no matter what your perspective was, I hope that it does not come across that I am judgmental of any perspective. I'm not. And my anger is directed at the people who manipulated and and used fear and belonging and connection and relationships to try to engage in behavior change, knowing that the cost was our connections, which has such an immense impact on our personal health and has such, you know, community and the need for village has such, if we don't have it, it has such an impact on our health. Let's bring the village back. Let's build the village. Let's bring the family back. Let's, let's come together again in curiosity, in love, and let's turn towards the people who were dishonest, who were manipulative, And let's hold them accountable. And the only way we can do that is by standing shoulder to shoulder and turning towards the things that have tried and successfully at some point divided us. But you know that saying that love always wins. And so does truth. And I believe that. I believe that wholeheartedly. So thanks for listening. Much love. 